1: Come around again, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. We are live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here at World Headquarters, deep in the super-secret underground bunker. And we're going to get a little spooky today, a little bit here. Rob Geronimo is waiting in the wings. Just a couple of things here to, uh, to mention first. Uh, for those of you who are uh, following us on various different uh, social media streams, uh, we do invite you to subscribe and make sure you have your notifications turned on. If you want to save a little money, you can go to superhero stuff.com, use the promo code Sci Fi for Me 10 and uh, get 10% off your order when you use that code at checkout. And coming up tonight, uh, again at seven p.m. tonight. Let's see. Tonight is episode number five of the Walking and Rolling Costumes Virtual Party. Uh, We're talking about how to get a costume. These are. uh, This is an organization, a nonprofit organization, that makes costumes for kids in wheelchairs, with walkers, with special needs. And they are always looking for volunteers, people to help them out. So we will be talking to them tonight. It is part of a 10-day streaming event that we are uh, We are the broadcast partners. We're looking forward to that day five uh, today. And uh, we will have that basically talking to families, talking to volunteers, talking to people who have have uh, felt the impact of this organization and all the good work that they do. And, uh I, I, I still still haven't gone through the Axnar stuff. Not going to. Um, tonight, uh, Triple Bites will not air because we're doing the virtual party, and that could go long, so we're going to uh, suspend Triple Bites for tonight. Uh, but tomorrow, um, more Live from the Bunker, more virtual party, and then Thursday night, we've got a regularly scheduled Tardis Sauce uh, coming up uh, Thursday night at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 Central, and uh, from there, who knows what happens. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you hear a little bit about walk and roll costumes and then we will be back with Rob Geronimo on the other side of this standby.
0: Thanks for watching Sci-fi for Me TV. Be sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our channels so you don't miss our next broadcast. You're watching Sci-fi for Me TV. <laughs>
1: little spooky Yuki music to bring in Mr. Robert Geronimo, who is uh, bringing the spooky Yuki Projects. Good afternoon, sir. Good
0: afternoon. Happy to be here again.
1: So, yeah, this is your, what, second, second time on the show, right?
0: Yes. Yes, the, the second time.
1: Yeah. And we are talking about a brand new project here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a piece called Wirehead. I want to go ahead and pull that up for people to see. Awesome. It is a brand new crowdfunding graphic novel comic book project, and mm-hmm. it's not what you typically have been doing over at Alterna Comics. Is, it, is that right?
0: Right. Uh, so <laughs> it's still horror <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because uh, Blood Realm is horror fantasy, dark fantasy. This is full-blown Slasher horror also like Freddy versus Jason, uh, you know, Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, that whole stuff.
1: Right. So the, what's, what's the difference here in the approach then in terms of the kinds of story, if you're going to be telling this kind of a slasher type of thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, what, what you would, what you would typically see in something like, uh, you know blood realm mm-hmm. how much different is it you when you say you know jason and 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 freddie and that kind of thing right where where are you drawing your inspiration from on wirehead as opposed to blood realm
0: mm. well it, even though it's hard the two very different genres because with blood realm i'm doing a lot of world building you know we have the map of the lands of mordran figuring out what the cultures are in each region what kind of species and race they are the tensions, the history between those regions, all that kind of stuff. So for this one, I wanted to tell a very straightforward, although this this elements that are you wouldn't expect in the story, uh, slasher horror adventure. Well, mm. it's weird saying adventure, but slasher horror tale. And uh, it's different because I'm not illustrating this one. So I illustrate right color and letter blood realm. Uh, this was a challenge because normally I'm, I'm, I'm doing all that stuff. But I realized that if I did that, I would probably have a complete nervous breakdown. Because <laughs> I'm already losing it with Blood Realm. Uh, which is finally coming out. The third issue of Volume Three I just found out is arriving any day uh, to Alterna. Now
1: let me so, ask you. Let me ask you about the di- uh, about the distribution over at Alterna because it is a little bit different than what you have at something like say Diamond or you know DC or Marvel or whatever because. Right. You may have more than one issue, but it's not a monthly schedule. They come out when they come out. Is that, is that what I'm hearing?
0: Yes, that's exactly it. That's, that's what we're doing. So um, it gives us more leeway. You know, we're not, we're not pressured to get certain, certain things out for a diamond release. Now we can spend more time on it and get it, you know, just the way we want it. So like with blood realm, you know, I I have a little bit extra time to really help develop um, the fourth mini series spend time on it right so i I don't feel like i'm sacrificing anything
1: So i personally like that so with with wirehead uh, how much Mm -hmm. is how much is done at this point because a a lot of a lot of these crowdfunding projects we see uh issues on the back end with fulfillment and delays and delays and more delays so how sure how far into it are you already before you launched
0: we We are more than halfway done already, okay so yeah we didn't play around. We wanted to make sure that we had a nice big chunk of this thing completed and and this way, once we oh God willing, once we get fulfilled, <laughs> then uh, we can just wrap it up and then get it off to the printer
1: well and and it looks like you guys are. Uh, well, almost halfway there. You've only been you. You only launched a week ago. Is that right? On the just 13th? a week ago. Yeah. Yes. So it looks like if if things continue to trend, it mm-hmm. looks like you guys will probably uh, hit your goal fairly easily. I mean, I don't, I don't see, I don't see where that would be a problem because you're at forty two percent after only a week. You got twenty four days left.
0: I know. It's just you can't help it because uh, you know once you hit that launch button, you're like. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Like the, the anxiety gets, sets in, yep. you know, you just start freaking out. And you're like, oh no, what? Why did I do this?
1: Been there, been there. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and ours, see, when we, when we did our Indiegogo campaign, the, the idea was to, to build out our own video channels. so we could get off of YouTube. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not a book. It's not something that you, it's your typical, you know, put something in somebody's hands. So I'm not surprised that it didn't do that great. But when it was trending to end with only 12% of our goal, I was like, okay, we got to pull the plug. We'll figure it. We'll rethink this. But the, the usual, uh, jitters and nervousness and anxiety. Once you hit launch, uh, it doesn't really seem to go away even no. <laughs> even to the point where when you meet your goal you're even still kind of kind of feeling a little trepidation because now you're looking at stretch goals and now you're looking at add-ons and, and and extras and that kind of thing so what what kind of what kind of stretch goals do you have in place already
0: well so i'm a big fan of art prints and people could see on the on the campaign a lot of the the stretch goals or well with stretch goals, I'm sorry, we have backer bonuses. Don't forget that. So that, now that's the new thing we have stretch goals and now people do backer bonuses. Like, so if we hit like a hundred backers, everyone gets an exclusive thing here. So that's, so,
1: that's a new thing. I haven't, I mean, yes. who's, was that something that got discussed back and forth among various different uh, people who had done campaigns and somebody came up yes. with this idea or.
0: Yes. So people started to say that backer bonuses was something that people really wanted. So uh, once we hit 100, then, then people get an ex- a special print. Once we hit 150, you know, it's so, so we're doing stuff like that. It's all different art prints. But with the stretch goals, everything is going into the quality of the book, enhancing the quality, the, the, the paper quality, the UV spotting on the lettering and stuff like that on the title of the cover. So just enhancing the overall uh, experience of the book. With with better quality,
1: and I notice here at the twenty five thousand dollar level, mm-hmm. digital soundtrack. Yes, like, if we make that, what what exactly is that? Because that immediately calls to mind a music score of some sort. Yes, or... exactly. That's
0: exactly what it would be. So, so you have, uh, so you
1: have somebody composing a, a a music soundtrack for the book.
0: Yeah, all horror, nineteen eighty synth. If we hit that goal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and what? Where is that going to be? Because you, you you're printing a, a physical book and you're shipping it out. This is going to be a CD. Yeah. It's going to be a download. How, it's going
0: to be a, all digital, so it'll be a download that everyone will get um, immediately.
1: And they can just listen to it as they're reading the book. Exactly. Oh, that's a cool idea. I don't think I've seen anybody else do that yet. <laughs> it will be a lot of fun. I hope we hit it, but we'll see. What was the inspiration behind that? As a well, as an add on as a stretch goal.
0: Well. One of my best friends, he's an incredible composer and uh he did the Iron Wolf theme track, a uh, three theme song on uh on my my page. It's the theme of the Iron Wolves or the Cleric Knights in Blood Rum. Okay. And he's just a great composer and he was cooking up some themes like eighties horror themes for Wired Head and I said, Oh man, we have to do something like this. <laughs> so we'll see. It'll be great, you know, if, if we hit it. But you know uh I I want to take it one step at a time.
1: (laughs) Well, now the, you know, being cautious, I can certainly understand that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this being your first Indiegogo Indiegogo. campaign that you've launched, have you done anything on Kickstarter yet? Or is that, is this your first one? Okay. So you've done crowdfunding before.
0: Yes. Yeah. I did fulfillment. I did, I did it for three books. I did it for a children's book series I did, which were two volumes. And then, a kingdom of blood, which eventually became blood realm.
1: And yeah. what's, what's the difference that you noticed? Cause we had, uh, Lance Briggs and Kyle Higgins on yesterday talking about mm-hmm. their new book and their, right. and their funding over on Kickstarter. Uh, and Kyle mentioned something that I have not heard discussed very much in terms of the comparisons between the two platforms. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Sure. He said that the support community for Kickstarter was bigger than it is at Indiegogo. And I don't know, I don't know that I've ever seen any numbers one way or the other, but right. for you now having done both, and I'm sure you've talked to other people who have done the Indiegogo route. Right. What are the differences between the two platforms that you've been able to discern just from working with the two of them?
0: I really like the add-on feature. I think that's really cool how you can have all these different add-ons that people could pile onto their order. So it makes their order kind of like special and mm-hmm. unique. They can kind of figure out what they want. I think that's a huge, huge draw. And also uh, the pre-launch page, I think, is really great. So, you know, you could see how many people sign up to kind of, you know, get you excited about the launch because you see, yeah. oh, people are interested. Yeah. <laughs> So, yes, the stuff like that. I think the main draw I think is the add-ons. I think that's such a great addition.
1: Okay. So, and in, in terms of the I see I'm 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 not sure what what Kyle was talking about when he talks about the community, whether he's talking about hmm. the back end, the customer service side internally or yeah, if know. he's talking about the people who support projects one way or the other one side or the other the comics community hmm. for for lack of a better term but right. it seems to me that a lot of you guys that are doing the indiegogo route whether it's comics gate or not comics gate there right. seems to be a lot more activity back and forth promoting each other's books talking about each other's books let I me mean, i'm seeing tweets all the time <laughs> on twitter from people putting links in and, and oh all sure that.
0: I find the community much I mean personally much stronger on uh, Indiegogo right now. I, I, I haven't used well, I haven't used Kickstarter in maybe I would say almost 5 years. It's been a while. So, I don't know if if it changed, but I feel like the community on Indiegogo is much stronger.
1: Yeah. Now personally. you're doing this as a fixed goal. I know Kickstarter is an all or nothing. And Indiegogo right. is, you know, you raise what you raise and you get however much you get. Um, Except with the
0: fixed goal, I think it's different with the fixed goal. I,
1: I was just about to ask if that was, if that was the case, because I was wanting to think that the fixed goal has a little bit more in terms of restrictions on it, does it not?
0: Yes. Yeah, it's the same thing, basically, like the kickstart. But you have the option to do that, which I like.
1: What, what, what's the appeal to doing the fixed goal as opposed to the, the flexible one?
0: Well, only because you know I think there's more urgency. People know that if they if they don't support it, then it won't happen. So maybe it'll it'll entice them more to promote uh, promote and maybe back quicker. Because I have to pay for printing. I have to pay obviously the artist, the letterer, and you uh, have all the, the what's it called the merchandise made. So obviously you know <laughs> we, nobody wants to put any money into it. So hopefully, if we can get it to the goal then you know everything everything could be taken care of no problem. And
1: mm-hmm. you mentioned the artist in the letter. You said earlier you're not doing the art on this book. Right. What was your process for finding your creative team for Wirehead? Is right. it this, is it the same the same crew that's doing Blood Realm or you got different people in here?
0: No, it's, Blood Realm's all me. So it's it's this was a this was a a change. So I, <laughs> I had to I had to pick people that I know can deal with me because I'm a bit of a, <laughs> I'm a bit of a nut <laughs> and I, I Peter gets it. You know, I, I'm very particular how I want things. Yeah. And um, I want someone who also loves horror. Someone who has a true affinity for horror as well. Cause if they don't love horror, it's not really their thing. Then it's going to show in the artwork. So um, I ended up going to a former student of mine uh, who, who's been honing his skills. he has been working really hard. And I think he's really ready to show everybody what he's got. And I, I said, hey, listen, I'm cooking this, this little story up, the slasher story that I had in my mind for a while. And he started illustrating it. And I was like, you know what? You're gonna be a perfect fit for this. So originally we are gonna have a colored. So we did color samples. They look great. But then what happened was I was showing them to Peter and I sent him the black and white just to give him an idea of what, what Michael's inks look. And he was like, these are so strong. Mm-hmm. that you, you should not put color on this. I was like, really? You think so? He was like, I'm telling you. And also it'll enhance that horror vibe, that horror feel, you know, because the way Mike draws, he has a lot of heavy blacks, right. you know, and a lot of line work. And sometimes when you do a lot of coloring, you kind of lose that. So at that point, we're like, you know what? Let's go full blown black and white, real retro. It's going to be an 80 page book, by the way. So it's not like it's only 40 somewhat pages. This is an 80 page graphic novel. And his style is really cool because the characters, it has like an Archie vibe, Mm -hmm. but the things that happen to them are so twisted and dark. Because Wirehead is this cybernetic monster that terrorizes these teens in the Pocono Mountains. You know, they're all vacationing and going to a party and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, there you go. The one after that, (laughs) that (laughs) pop.
1: Not for kids. Why not? It's for kids.
0: There's no, uh, you know, this it's just a little bit of violence. That's it. no cursing.
1: So the Pocono Mountains, is there a particular uh, story behind setting it there?
0: Yeah. So um, my grandparents used to live in the Poconos and every time we drive up there at night, for some reason, I don't know why, but there's when there needs to be traffic lights, there's, there's fewer and fewer. <laughs> it, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> So I turn around when I was was a kid and I was just so creeped out because you just have the backlights in the car and it's just blackness, Yeah, just this road. You can't see anything else because she really lived, my grandma lived in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, if some kind of creature stepped out, I would be, I was just waiting for something, you know? So that kind of fear, you know, built, you know, was built
1: on that. Yeah. Uh, my my mother's family lives about an hour north of Little Rock, and my cousin and I, uh, growing up, when he when he first started driving, uh, we'd get in the pickup truck, we'd go out in the out, because there's there's undeveloped land, let's say the you know right. forest, farmland, and all that, and you get out there, and it's like you say, pitch black and oh, yeah. you know there's every now and then an occasional street lamp at a at a, 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 a <sighs> intersection maybe right uh but i remember several times we went out there and shot fireworks at, at each other and other people mm. so but <sighs> yeah there it, it, it is uh, it is one of those things where you do expect the creature you know bigfoot sasquatch exactly. yeti big giant right. coyote werewolf type of thing i i can see where that would fire the imagination there yeah is is horror because you know you're doing blood realm you're doing wirehead i'm assuming that horror is your is your main thing is that all you want to do with everything that you've got or have you got ideas for other things
0: i have ideas for other little stories you know but um there's always some kind of horror vibe to it uh horror is the stuff that always appealed to me it was the genre that really made me want to be creative. Sure. You know, uh, like I mentioned before one time with the clash of the Titans with that Medusa scene, it was really powerful and it was just, it was fantasy, but also there was this horror element to it, uh, element to it. And that really helped inspire the vibe of blood Realm. And as a kid, my, my older cousins were big Freddy fans and Jason fans and you know, it was like, oh wow, you know, I get to go upstairs, and my cousins when my parents are downstairs, and watch a Freddy movie, and I would be terrified, you know. <laughs> so, just I wanted to kind of recapture that that type of story. Right. And I feel like with what's going on with the pandemic and the crazy political nonsense that's going on, I feel like people are frustrated. We need some good old-fashioned cathartic horror. I think that's what we need. It's good. It's good for people to to see. Uh, you know, unsuspecting bratty teens getting ripped apart. <laughs> it's just fun. It's just fun, you know? Yeah. And I think we need that. We need that. It's a stressful time right now. And I think that was the appeal of slasher films, you know, post-Vietnam, you know, when they all came out in waves in the 70s and the 80s. And then again, after that, in the post nine eleven era, when you had films like Hostel and Saw and stuff like that, I just feel like there's, whenever there's some kind of frustration going on, People want this cinematic or visual uh, catharsis.
1: It feels like it feels like horror has really kind of had a renaissance in the last couple of years too. Because I Bloom, agree. you know, every time I turn around, I've got some something coming across my desk saying a Bloomhouse is working on something. Yeah, definitely. and you know, it's even. Even the banana splits are not immune. I mean, doing (laughs) doing that as a horror flick, I thought, no, wait, hold on. Now we've crossed a line. I know. But it's that you know, and and Tim Harvey here keeps complaining about the found footage influence of of things like Blair Witch. Uh But there is something to all of that where people people get into the jump scares and the, and the the boo hooligans that are under the bed. And is that, I guess there's a psychological component to it, but I'm wondering if it's the, if it's the tension release afterward, that is the main reason why people like horror. Sure.
0: I, I mean, also think about, you know, I think there's just some kind of, I think it goes as far back as the Colosseum in Rome where people wanted to see this violence and they would cheer. And it's like people kind of cheer when Jason goes on a killing spree. I mean, it's funny. We're not rooting for the teenagers and Jason, we're rooting for him to see how he's going to tear them apart and kill them. You know? <laughs> Let's face it. That's why we go to see Friday the 13th movies or Michael Myers for that matter. All right. So it, it, it's, again, I just think it's, it, you could experience the terror in the safe environment where you're not actually, in that moment you don't have to fear for your life you can kind of just sit back you can still be scared and then you can see the crazy like vicious gore and it's 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 bizarrely gratifying and then when you walk out you're like how oh, wow what a ride you
1: know now do you prefer the visceral right in your face you mentioned the gore uh the blood and guts horror or is there a place for the psychological horror the stuff the, the more like the hitchcock type of horror where oh, of it's course. it's implied you let the audience fill in the blank uh, sure. is there any of that in wirehead or is Wirehead all just slasher type uh you know blood oh, and guts no. and
0: no there are there are some the way i view it is that when if you're going to do those blood and guts you have to earn it first so yeah, right th- th- there is there is tension built up um I want to make sure that these characters, when we first meet them, that they feel believable and that the actions they take and the words they say feel like, okay, I could completely see that happening in this situation. One thing that takes me out of it is when characters do things that are completely unrealistic, that you're like, no one would do that. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> it just drives me crazy. So I want you to relate to these characters. Uh, they come from a real place because they're based on friends of mine and they're based on the uh, people I'm surrounded by. So And and actual interactions I had with certain people. So I I think it's safe to say that, you know, there's these Hitchcockian elements because we're following these characters. We have these great Hitchcockian shots in terms of the way Michael is composing the the images and the scenes. And then we have some fun, you know, gore uh, added to it.
1: Is the the design of everything you mentioned? They're based on on people that you know. You, that's mm-hmm. inspired by by friends and and whatnot.
0: Right?
1: Do they know? Are there people that are going to sit there and recognize themselves and come at you and shake their finger at you and say, "Why'd you put me in this? But why'd you why'd yeah. you squeeze <laughs> squeeze my head so it explodes? What'd you do to me?"
0: A couple a couple people are definitely gonna. <laughs> recognize themselves in it, but
1: <laughs> now when now your process has has had to adjust differently because you've got somebody else doing the art. Did you do yeah. the character designs and hand them over and say, "This is what I want them to look like," or did I, you just yeah. say, "You know, go to town, show me what you got"?
0: Now, I, I I fully designed Wirehead. I, I very specific to how I wanted Wirehead to look. So I had sent in a lot of different sketches of look, this is exactly what Wirehead wears, this is how many wires, all this, kind of, all this kind of stuff. I did have ideas in mind for how the characters look, so I sent notes. Uh, like, this one has this, this one has glasses, this one has cropped hair. And then I just let him see how he does it. And if we had to make an adjustment, then I'd say, all right, so listen, fix this. Uh, I don't like this color hair, change that. But Because I want the artist to still have some breathing room. You know, I'm I'm not a total tyrant. So... <laughs> <laughs>
1: So the the plans after this, uh, mm-hmm. is this a one and done or are you allowing for Wirehead 2, Wirehead 3? You
0: know? <laughs> I mean, we'll let the audience decide. You know, we'll see if they want it. I have ideas. The goal, I'll say that the dream goal would be that if this is successfully funded, I would love to do a monster uh, slasher type of Indiegogo every October. So I have all these other creatures that I dream up in my head at night and I write them down. So it would be great if we get to do that, but you know, it's, it's it always drives me crazy when producers immediately announce the trilogy before the first movie comes oh, out. Right.
1: right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Well, and, and, and the other, the other thing, the other possibility there, and I don't know if you've discussed this with Peter or not, it would there be a, a likelihood, a possibility of a wirehead ongoing title over at Autona? There Altona? would
0: be, uh, we have some interesting ideas that we're cooking around. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely, definitely interested in Wirehead. So, uh, like I said, we're going to see how everything goes. But if everything does go well, we would have a really cool announcement to make, for sure.
1: Now, when you say you're, you've got ideas, <laughs> other ideas for, for monsters, are we talking about introducing them in in Wirehead
0: it would be a a, a universe like a slasher verse, okay. I guess we would say. Okay. So they so, would exist, maybe not directly tied, but like just hints, like kind of like how uh, um, I don't know if you ever watched Are You Afraid of the Dark? You know from the '90s, but it was no. it was like characters that would be mentioned, you know, and mm-hmm. but not completely tied together.
1: So a loose universe.
0: A loose universe, and then maybe if you know, maybe we could have uh, Wirehead Verses or Vi- Wirehead meets, you know, just like Frankenstein meets the Wolfman.
1: Sure, I think I think Loose Universe might be the name of my next band. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> well, what about because uh, that even opens up the possibilities? Because I know all of the, all of the creators over at alterna you guys are all doing your own thing and peter has mentioned on a number of occasions that there's not very much likelihood that you're going to get crossovers among all of the different titles because you've right. got rights issues and and everybody's got to play nice and, and all of yeah. that but can if you could if you could imagine wirehead meeting the mighty mascots for example <laughs> oh, i mean wouldn't the, how how would that art look you know i mean be, who would draw it
0: that would be <laughs> that's right. the thing you would need the right artist to to kind of have this middle ground yeah you know of 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 style
1: that would be a crazy a crazy mess <laughs>
0: it certainly would now
1: is is the the goal of the book um i how how do i how do i ask this are are we are we going mainly for the scares first and the story after or you know how important you know what's where where do you strike the balance between story and the visceral experience of seeing what's on the page
0: Right yeah so again i think that comes with tension and and also slow discovery of who this character is meaning wirehead where does he come from because i think what makes a really good monster is figuring out where does he come from, what's his origin story or its origin story, whatever the heck it is. So um, I feel with Wirehead, we have that. And I I will spoil a little bit, but the unique tension and creepiness about him is that he's designed initially, we assume, to help and serve, but there's something going on with his wiring, Uh, no pun intended. And so when he's squeezing your head Know like he does to that that kid in that in that sample. Mm -hmm. He's saying, "Please remain calm." (laughs) So there is this terrifying juxtaposition of helping, but he's not because he's actually going to pop your head.
1: So So, is is he is he a robot, android, cyborg? Is that something you can't divulge? He
0: is more. Let's just say he's he's more robot than your average cyborg but he there are biological material in him as well.
1: So one shot with the origin story a little bit later on maybe No, we
0: we're, we're going to find all of that. Oh, Everything that's in that's in, in the book. Story. Okay. Yeah, okay. I wanted to make sure that that the story that's being told is going to be a complete story that you're not going to sit there and you be like, "Oh, you know, now we have to wait for the next one." You know, there's going to be a, everything. You're going to find out the origin, the beginning, middle, and end.
1: How important is it to do something like that? Because, you know, we we keep seeing the conversations about the sustainability of Indiegogo projects and campaigns and crowdfunding and all of that. You've got all right. of these guys that are now into their second and third and fourth book. Brian Polito's been doing it for years, and he's probably sure. got, what, 15, 16 different projects he's doing all the time. Uh, when you're sitting there saying this is you know beginning, middle and end and mm-hmm. it's a it's a one book right I hear we're not doing another one but but there's a possibility you said earlier that you know depending on the response to this when you could do a second one, are right. you planning ahead? are these self-contained stories completely? Are there pieces and threads that are dropped in there in case you get a second?
0: yes story yeah okay. there are there, the the reader may not necessarily spot them right but uh when if they if there is a second one or following a different character then they could oh oh cool they're alluding they alluded to that in, in the first one so you know little sprinkles are like you know they're peppered throughout so yeah i think it's important to have little things like that little breadcrumbs just in case uh we're led to uh, the next one
1: talk about being very meticulous with the design of the wirehead character yes what about the rest of your world building? How much research, how much, how much effort, time have you put into building all of this? Besides just sitting there and and doing marathons of old slasher fic, flicks, right, right, you right. Yeah, because I'm sure that there's part of that because you just have to do that homework. You have right? to.
0: Oh, I've done right. it. I've done it.
1: So how much world building is here? How much? How much is just you making things up? How much of it is is actual research into? folklore, geographic regions, and all of that?
0: Oh, it's it's all of that stuff. Everything you just said, it's it's balancing it all out because I want to know what part of the Poconos, what is the landscape like there? Are there campers in that area? Would there be some people who are, you know, the, the, the guy who lives in the cabin over there? You know, I need to know the terrain, obviously. Right. I think it's very important. And then, you know... It, in terms of like tying it into the location of where the where the the cast of characters are coming, you know, where is Wirehead in relation to that? It's like, how did he? How, where did he come from? I don't want to spoil anything. I just got into, you know, spoiler territory there. But you know, it, there's a lot of that stuff in terms of the history of what was going on during that time. If it's the you know the the 90s, it takes place in the late 90s.
1: Okay, that was that was my next thing when you were talking about the time barrier it takes particular reason for the 90s
0: uh because uh i think it's just a fun uh period to set your cast of characters (laughs) you know (laughs) because it's there's no cell phones you know so you don't have to worry about oh i don't have any service thing you know what i mean and 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 if things progress you know i i would like to have this as like this this story set in this time period and then slowly we can jump to what's going on in our time period. Gotcha. And it's vague, but I don't want to spoil anything. Right.
1: Right. No, that's, I that totally makes sense. You don't want to give too much away at this point. Yeah. Uh, how much did you have discussions because you're talking about the world building and the setting on the business side of things? how much research were you doing? Because you've been talking, I'm sure you've been talking to, to all of the other guys who are doing Indiegogos. Yeah. How much, how much chatter is going on behind the scenes among all of you who are, are doing campaigns? I mean, oh yeah, this... there's, there's certainly discussions among the alterna crowd about sure. what you're doing with the books, but in terms of the crowdfunding side of things, you know, mm-hmm. you've got Ryan, you've got uh, uh, Gleason, you've got, uh, yeah. you know, Peter's doing one, but then you also Clint, have people like Clint Stoker, you know, Clint Stoker but you also yeah. got uh, uh, Dynamite, uh, you've got Boom True. Studios getting into crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Are is, is, your, is your discussion limited to a certain group of people? This is, you know, this is our own He-Man Women Haters Club over here, and <laughs> another one over here, and another one over here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, basically, you know, it's in within the Alterna circle and um, sometimes a little bit outside of that. But everyone's been really supportive and helpful. And it's, it's. I have to say, it's been – I was actually surprised by how generous people have been with their time in terms of, like, answering questions, and especially Peter. I have to say, no, none of this would have been possible if it wasn't for Peter's generous uh, advice and time uh, helping me. I never did an Indiegogo before and helping me with – designing the page and i spent a lot of time designing that page <laughs> i didn't i didn't really understand how much work would go and would be involved in all that stuff yeah but promoting and all of that it's just it's i want to say it's 50 percent, but it's more like 70 <laughs> percent. it's a it's a huge deal because you can make the greatest art but if people don't know it exists or your campaign exists or your campaign doesn't look like it's it's easy to follow and it's cool looking i don't know if you're gonna get people to, to back your book
1: You have a trailer here. Uh, Yes. So why don't we hit play on this and uh, give people a little bit of a sense of what this is. Here we go. The trailer for Wirehead.
0: Something is lurking in the Pocono Mountains, and it's coming for you. No one knows where it came from, or who it will get next, Wirehead. This October comes a new tale in fantasy terror. Pre-order now on Indiegogo.
1: Now is that you doing the voice? Yes, that is me. <laughs>
0: kind of have fun with it.
1: I hear. Uh, was it uh, Vaughn doing uh, doing a number of voice tracks for these things? Are, are how much how much video production have you had in your wheelhouse before? Is this a new thing for you to? It's a new put thing. This thing together. <laughs>
0: it's a new thing. It took a long time. Fortunately, my. My cousin, uh, he works in, in TV, and uh, so he gave great pointers and helped me edit it. Uh, but it, I, oh my god, people have no idea. It took me longer than a minute to make that thing. I'll put
1: it that way. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, and and recording it too. I'm sure that was one yes. of the things. Like, oh, that just sounds terrible. I got to do it again. And, oh and you Constantly, constantly criticizing yourself. I I I'm in that same boat. You're your own worst critic when it comes to this stuff. All the time, and you sit there go, "Oh, that's not good enough." But then, then, then you have to avoid the perfect being the enemy of the good. Yes, and just finally, just okay, fine, just let it out there and and see what happens. And Absolutely, is that uh, <clears throat> on the marketing side of these things? How much of a challenge is that to to get into that mode? Because you're a comic book creator, you're a writer, yeah. you're a storyteller. Sure. And I get with marketing, there's a certain amount of storytelling that's involved with that. I mean, I've been I've been in media for 30 years, and it's, it's a, an easy enough jump for me to go back and forth between narrative and journalism and advertising because that's what I've been doing all this time. Mm-hmm. But you guys who are comics creators, and now you're getting into the crowdfunding model, now you've got you know the business side of it and the yeah. you know the the fulfillment and shipping and printing and all of these other things that in the olden days when you got into comics you're writing it you send it off to the publisher and and it's done mm. you're you're drawing the pages you send it off to the publisher and and you get corrections and then, and then you don't see it anymore until it's until it's printed and published and shipped and that's somebody else's headache Right. But now you guys are having to do all of that. Yes, you're the creator, you're the editor, you're the publisher, you're the distributor, all of that stuff. How much of a headache is that so it's far? A giant
0: headache. It's a giant headache. <laughs> <laughs> but but I wouldn't have it any other way because um, there's that autonomy yep. that's involved, and I I love that I'm doing this, you know, directly for the reader because it's it's going straight to them. You know, there's something that's really cool about that, that there's no middleman. You know, it's like, it's a direct uh, support and then they get the book directly from me to them. So, but it is a lot of work. I don't want anybody to think that, oh, look, they hit this goal. Oh, look, they put that up. There is a tremendous amount of research and planning and just uh, time spent on designing your campaign, getting excitement for your campaign. Yeah, I mean, you have to really start getting People excited at least three months before. So you have to have your post set, your, your art ready. It's, it's a lot of work. And then you have to be ready to at least make a tweet out every like twice a day during the time the campaign is running.
1: Well, and, and, uh, Clint Stoker, you mentioned him before he's talked about, uh, building the audience, building your channel, building an online presence that's strong enough, even before you launch anything. And then yes. after that, you've still got to maintain all of that. I mean, he's oh, he's yeah. now with Fatal, uh, I think they crossed, what, 85 86,000 on his. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And now he's sitting there going, okay, I'm back into audience building mode. I'm posting videos, I'm posting videos, I'm posting That's videos. That's it, yeah. Um, it, now, where was I going with that?
0: Oh, <laughs> well, it's a, the amount of work in terms of, like, having building your audience first. I'm fortunate that, you know, with Blood Realm... People kind of recognize my work and my name, so I felt okay. Now's a good time to launch this. Right. So, but you know, you want to have that that support first from readers and fans because that, that stuff takes a lot of time.
1: Well, and and you look at I, I I remember I know where I'm going with that now because you're looking at numbers. You're looking at subscriber numbers on your mm-hmm. YouTube channels. You're looking at the number of backers on each project, and it goes back to that question of the sustainability of the model, because yes, you guys are making enough money that hopefully it makes it worthwhile. Right. But as the, as the critics of the crowdfunding have said, you're not selling 40,000 books. You're not selling 15,000 books. Some, some might, but you're looking at a hundred backers, a thousand backers, Two thousand backers. So, yeah. in terms of actual logistics and physical numbers, mm-hmm. is it in 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 your in your mind is it worth the effort to sell? I don't want to say so few books, but you, you're basically selling as many as you sell just to the people who are backing it. There's no. There's no extra retail option. There's no second printing. You know, you're not going on the shelf. You're not in comiXology, all of that. Right. What are you, what are, what are you, what satisfaction are you deriving out of this?
0: Well, so this initially, and as far as what, what uh, I've discussed with Peter is that the way it works with his alternate crew is that he is distributing this. So say, you know, we, we say, Hey, listen, I got this project. Um, well, are you interested? Oh, this sounds great. Okay, he goes listen. Put it up on Indiegogo. Have your big, you know, movie release. That's the deluxe original creator edition graphic novel. Mm. And then after that, I'll take it, and then I will turn it into newsprint and get it distributed. So initially, so yes, in the beginning, it's it's say the 200 backers, 250 backers, a thousand backers, right? then those people could get, you know, those will be your hardcore fans of it right. and they'll spread the word. And then now Peter is going to say, this is awesome. I want the book. It was successfully funded. I like this story. I'm going to break this up into two or three issues. If you need, you know, whatever need be. And then I'm going to distribute this to the alterna faithful. So then your, your sales are much higher.
1: Is that the best way to to approach it then to have that in the back of your mind because not all of these not all these uh, campaigns are going to have that connection to alterna no of course not mm-hmm. what what are the other options that are out there do you think because some i've seen some projects that will do a retailer tier yeah, but, uh, they don't. but the it doesn't seem to me that the retailers are going to be biting on this very much i, I haven't seen a whole lot of positive response from the retail shops just mm-hmm either either they haven't wrapped their head around this whole crowdfunding thing being a thing yet. I know. Or you have people in in certain camps who are resistant and they don't want to have anything to do with it because you guys are all part of this, you know, Nazi hate group, comics Escape thing. Is that going to hurt long term?
0: Uh, I don't um, think, I think it's going to hurt them personally. Yeah, I think it's going to hurt them because they're foolish because you you want to get as many people in your store as possible. So if you have X amount of people who want this stuff and now you can be that specialty store that says I'm getting that stuff into. Hey, if you miss that campaign, I have some copies. That'll be a draw because when they go to your shop, they're not just going to buy one thing. They may, you know, it's like, oh, great. Oh, what else you guys have? You know, it, it, to me, it's so stupid and silly because you want to get as many f- bodies in your store as you can.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: if that's a draw, I think it's I think it's huge because we're seeing now that the crowdfunding stuff is really it's doing very well. And it's, it's a way in which artists can get paid and stop waiting because the payments for Diamond took forever, forever, always late, always behind. It was a nightmare. So it wasn't like you know we were all like wow look at all the checks we're getting sometimes like are we gonna get one when when is Diamond gonna send it because one thing that's great about Peter is once he gets paid we get paid yeah but sometimes man they were brutal and it was they would just delay everything
1: we so, saw we saw the announcement here I guess it was yesterday or over the weekend DC's decided they've dropped UCS I saw and they're just going with Lunar. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you've got Penguin Random House and you've got your digital stuff. Uh, how how much of an impact do you think that's going to have on the overall industry in terms of, of direct market for D.C.? Because that affects payment, because yes, if, it does. if DC, D.C. drops UCS, a, at some point, if D.C. would drop Lunar, they're back to Diamond, maybe. I mean, they're using Diamond Uh-oh. in the U.K. Right. But what are the other options at that point? And then, and then you look at the stuff that's going on with the, with the crowdfunding, the money comes directly to you guys. Exactly. And you go and you pay all of your creative team and you get all your expenses. I mean, you're not getting rich yet. I don't think. Right. Right. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> but everybody is getting paid enough that it makes it worth it. I, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So so where do you see it going here the next, say, six months to a year?
0: To a year? Well, I, I, I'll be honest. The fate of D.C. is very up in the air. I'm not quite sure what they're doing. Um, I think it's very odd, you know, in terms of, like, they canceled a bunch of books and now they dropped UCBS. I'm not sure. No. I really don't know. I don't know if they're just trying to, like, clean out their inventory because that, that's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> you know? So. I, don't, I really don't know. I really, really don't know. But I do know that the people who truly love comics, truly, truly love, love, love comics, are going to be doing the Indiegogo route. Because now, what incentive is that? You look at DC. Why would I create a character with DC?
1: And mm-hmm. I don't
0: own it. And now look what happens and what they're doing. Right. I feel like it's antiquated, you know? So I, I really feel the future is going to be Indiegogo.
1: Is the crowdfunding model now, is it the same kind of paradigm shift that we saw with the beginnings of image? I believe so. You think?
0: Absolutely. I definitely think this is, I think we're witnessing an indie renaissance. I really do. And uh, sooner or later, a lot more cult pros are going to be coming over. I mean, look, look at the, didn't Scott Snyder do one on Kickstarter, and now you got Keanu Reeves. I mean, they know what's going on. They know exactly what's going on.
1: Well, and you've got Kyle Higgins. We talked about that yesterday. You got him. right? Got Sean Sean Gordon Murphy. That's right. Um, he did an Indiegogo, right? He didn't did he? it. He did an Indiegogo, uh, and yeah, yeah you're at Scott Snyder's over on Kickstarter, and I think I've seen one or two others uh, mm-hmm. recently talk about doing something. Um, but not only that with the writers and the artists, but then you also have people like Tamra Bonvalen mm-hmm. who is doing the colors for Kyle's book. Yeah. So yeah. you have other professionals that are getting drawn in to the creative teams for these things.
0: That's what cracks me up and they want to bash it. And I'm like, you're involved.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but it's on Kickstarter. So it's different.
0: Oh, of course. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's so ridiculous.
1: Do you feel that there's a, a, an us versus them in terms of the people that are using Kickstarter versus the people do, doing Indiegogo? Does it really feel like there's a division in the camps there?
0: Um, I mean, I, I see people who use their camp. They use both. I've seen people who use both for, for, for fulfillment. Yeah. You know, they know there's an audience who just use Kickstarter and then there's an audience who just use Indiegogo. So it's hard to say, you know, I think they're trying to make something out of it, but, I'm going to the one that has more features. That's all it is. You know, I I like the add-ons and I like that there's a, there's more of an indie community. I feel with uh, indie voices and Indiegogo.
1: Gotcha. Ryan in the chat saying, Hey gang. Hello, Ryan. Uh, Ryan. Ryan. Uh, We have had Ryan on here to talk about his book as well. Uh, And it's, it seems like you guys, you guys are all kind of this, you know, this little community, this little conclave yeah. of, uh, of creators. Uh, yeah. do, is there ever, how do I, how do I ask this? Do you guys ever fight amongst yourselves? You know, somebody says something about, you know, your baby's ugly and you, you guys are taking exception to each other. Or is it, are we all, we all, you know, circling the campfire singing kumbaya all the time?
0: Uh, I, I mean, I, haven't experienced anything like that uh i do say that there's some great friendly competition
1: yeah
0: you know where i see somebody's up in their game and i'm like oh i'm gonna get you just wait to see how my book looks next you know but that's the good stuff that's the stuff you want you know well there's this fun little banter but i mean it's it's all it's all playful and it's all to get each other to really do our best work that's what i've experienced
1: yeah because i've seen some you know, the longer this whole comics gate movement thing goes, you you start to see the factions dividing up, and you know, people are going after each other and and the backbiting and whatnot. I think yeah, that's well, that just doesn't seem productive to me. Well, no, I, I'm not
0: aware of that stuff. I'm very ignorant to this stuff. I, but if that's true, I mean, uh, you you got to grow up. These people got to grow up. Just we're all here for comics, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now that I've seen the I've seen the critique. Uh, of people, you know, writing the comic book to get the Netflix deal. Oh um, God! <clears throat> is that is that in the back of your mind at all? You're just doing comics. No, I'm just
0: doing comics. If it ha- if someone approaches me, you know, cool. Yeah. But am I making some kind of Netflix pitch? No, no, I'm I'm here to make comics. That's really what I want to do. Like, like I said, if some friend says, "Oh, I know a producer. You mind if I send it over?" Go right ahead. They're interested. Awesome. We'll talk. But am I going out of my way to put energy into a pitch? No, because I want to put that energy into making more comics.
1: And assuming that the Geronimo verse, let's call mm-hmm. it, expands, sure. uh-huh. uh, are you open to other writers uh, playing in your sandbox?
0: Yeah, that could be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. No, that'd be a lot of fun. I, I guess... You have to figure out, I guess they would get a flat fee because I'm I, I'm bad. I don't know how you keep track of royalties with that kind of thing, but <laughs> maybe, I don't know. I have no idea. I shouldn't say that yet, but yeah, that'd be, that'd be really cool if we could work it something out somehow. Yeah. It'd be cool to see how uh, another horror writer uh, does something with uh, Blood Realm, you know, a short little story, like an anthology book of Blood Realm that's just all different tales from different writers and different artists. That'd be a lot of fun.
1: That would be fun. And that could be something that you could crowdfund.
0: That's true. And so uh, you never, you know, everyone would get paid.
1: And your push goals, you know, your stretch goals. Uh, as you get to different levels, you add more stories, and you know, yes. you could you could turn out a, a two hundred page anthology or something.
0: There you go. That would be really fun. All I right.
1: would like that. Uh, Ryan says that would be cool. Uh, sci-fi snob. I I I don't know. I don't know that I pick on Tim all the time. Mm. I don't know what you're talking about. Not at all. <laughs> No. All right. So, okay, so the uh let's let's pull this up here one more time for people to see the project Wirehead currently funding mm-hmm. on Indiegogo. And you can find Robert Geronimo on Twitter as well, Geronimo Draws.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's got a website, robertgeronimo.com. That's right. Uh but yeah, we have the we have the link to the Indiegogo and a link to the trailer, uh, which lives on YouTube over there, uh, in the show notes here. So, uh, you can check that out. uh, And, uh, Robert, good luck with everything. Thank you. And, uh, we'll have you back on, I'm sure, because, you know, I think, I think you're our very first repeat guest on this show. So congratulations. I'm honored. (laughs) So you you have another accolade to add to your, add to your list. (laughs) Yes, perfect. <laughs> okay. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much, everyone. Don't forget tonight at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, we've got number five, the night of the, uh, walk and roll and costumes virtual party, uh, coming up tonight, we were talking about how you can get, uh, costumes and, uh, uh talk to the people who are making them and we hear some uh stories from volunteers and and families that have benefited from this and as always of course we do invite you to subscribe to the channel if you are so inclined uh, spread the word help us uh help us get the links out uh, signal boosts are always welcome if you would like to send us e- uh, an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com is how you do that and of course we have the chat we have the comments And we will do this all over again tomorrow. Robert Greenberger will be here to talk about his new anthology of fantastic pulp tales. And uh, so that's going to do it for us here. Uh, Thanks very much for being here. We will be back with more on Sci-Fi for Me TV. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2020 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved.
0: No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.